It's time for NADAR. Let's get into it. The podcast that dives into the past, present, and future of NADAR. This is where we will hear stories of how the organization came to be, tips for better representation, and a behind-the-scenes look of NADAR. Now with your host, Eva Sermon and Jay Shea Guest. I am Carletta Griffin, inviting you. Let's get into it. Welcome to Nader. Let's get into it. It's going to be a great day today, Eva. We have got all hands on deck. I think this is going to be the closest thing we've ever had to a real Nader conference online and <laughs> or a networking event. We have got folks representing the family business, and I think this is going to be an awesome podcast. Eva, I'm going to switch it over to you, let you get started. How are you doing today? Thanks, Shay. I'm doing good. I hope you're doing good. Doing well. Doing well. I'm excited about today's podcast. Me too. We've got some great guests with us. Um, All of these folks are on our board of directors currently. So we're going to start with um, an introduction here. We have Christopher Mazzulli, who is currently serving NADR as our treasurer and uh, will be uh, taking over as vice president September 1st. So, hi, Chris. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, Eva? Hey, Shay. Good. Uh, next, we have Michael Weiner, who is currently serving as our vice president and will be taking over as NADR president in the fall. Welcome to you, sir. Thank you, Eva. Glad to be here today. Next, we have Kelly Blad. Um, Kelly is currently serving as a director at large and will be uh, staying on in the fall in that capacity. Hi, Kelly. Hello, Eva. Thank you for having me today. Thanks for being here. And last but certainly not least, we have Cliff Berkeley. And Cliff is currently serving as our secretary. And I believe you're moving to director at large in the fall? Um, I will go wherever anyone wants me, but it's good to be here. All right. Thanks for being here. Uh, so let's go ahead and get started. So yes, the, the topic of discussion today is our, um, I think it's something that's really prevalent in our association where we have family businesses, second generation family businesses, um, brother, sister, uncle, nephew, mother, daughter, all these different combinations. Um, and so because of that, it kind of lends itself to the discussion of of the business of your business, right? And how you are managing your family business, uh, what you have in, in, in the way of succession planning. Um, has anybody been through that? Um, is it a buyout? Is it a, you know, what is it? How, how does that happen when you pass the baton? So I think that you four sort of represent um, uh, different scenarios. Um, and I think that's why, um, it makes a great conversation because we will be able to kind of get a glimpse into four different setups and, um, uh, sort of how you guys plan to pass that baton to the second generation, um, and, or explain the process if it's already been done. So I guess for starters, let's just get a little bit of background on each of your businesses, um, and the way it's currently structured. So we'll go ahead and start with Chris. Okay. Um, currently, uh, my company name is Disability Support Services, and we've been in business doing uh, social security representation for uh, 
about 25 years now. Uh, the, the business, we really work with people in Maryland. Um, we do work in the surrounding um, states of Maryland, but, but the bulk of our business is, 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 is Maryland. Um, so my father started the business. Uh, it actually was a spinoff of another business he had going at the time. It was Medicaid eligibility, and part of that in Maryland was you had to apply for Social Security Disability Benefits. So everybody who we were just applying for um, would, would say, hey, can you help us, you know, actually get through this process because they were getting denied. So we started the disability support service business to help those individuals um, with that process. So from start to finish, we would, we would go from, you know, initial all the way through the hearings. Um, and currently, you know, I am the president of the company. So um, I am, you know, taking over for my father uh, as we speak. He's kind of become like a chairman type role um, for us. Okay, great. So we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that for a second because I think the discussion um, about that part of it uh, we'll circle back to. So as of right now, you're the you're acting as president. Your dad's moved to a board role, um, and we'll dig a little deeper in, uh, about that in a minute. But that's a good overview. Uh, all right, uh, Michael, give us the lowdown on your company. Well, I am in a family law firm. Uh, the firm was founded, I think, back in 1964. My father came on board as an attorney fresh out of law school in 1968. And around 1980, 81, uh, he started handling Social Security cases, probably one of the first attorneys uh, to do it full time uh, in the Memphis area. And until about 15 years ago, there was probably only three law firms that really focused on Social Security disability. Uh, I came on board, I think, in 1993, so about 28 years ago, fresh out of college myself, and uh, just started handling uh, basically day-to-day things, you know, started interviewing clients and doing appeals and uh, moved on up from there. Okay, and is your dad still a part of the day-to-day? Yes, he is. He has no plans on retiring anytime soon, even though he's almost 78 years old. He really loves it. He enjoys helping the people that he helps. Uh, He's mostly working full-time, takes a few hours off here and there, and I think that's allowed after about 53 years of law practice. Um, And being that it's a law firm, it, it might be a little bit different challenge for someone like me to take over being a non-attorney. Uh, but there is a cousin who is an attorney who does handle veterans' disability claims, so we've kind of expanded on that in the last 10 years or so. So it, it's a good mesh between the two. Uh, they do play off each other in, in a lot of ways. And so your dad is an attorney, your cousin is an attorney, and you're a non-attorney. So you, you're you handling the uh, advocacy at the lower four levels for the Social Security disability claims. That is correct. Uh, in addition, I'm also the, I guess you would call the office manager, the IT manager, just about everything except for going to federal court for the Social Security cases. Got it. Okay. All right, Kelly, give us give us the 411 on your business setup. Okay. Uh, my dad started a disability specialist in 1989, uh, and I didn't go to work for him until 2007. And I went to work for him as a disability rep, and I was doing something that I really loved, uh, representing clients. And um, in 2011, he passed away suddenly, and there was no succession plan. And so I took over the company uh, as CEO. And uh, about three years later, we sold the company, and I still 
my title is still CEO. I am still representing clients, um, but I no longer own the company or I'm no longer responsible for payroll. So really I'm the face and the voice of the company and make some decisions in terms of, of hiring and, and laying off um, and business, business decisions day to day. Uh, but most of my time is spent now representing clients. Okay. So we're going to, we're going to pin that for a second too, because I want to get back to your father passing with no succession plan in a minute, um, because I think that's key and something people could, you know, take, take a um, page from your playbook maybe, or just advice on how that, you know, panned out for you. Um, Okay. So let's move on. So Cliff, tell us about your company and how you're structured. Uh, so the name of my company is Berkeley Disability. Uh, I've been doing this now for about 20 years. I came into the business not knowing exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, fresh out of college, my dad said work for me for a summer. He's an attorney. We stumbled upon disability. I fell in love. Um, as an attorney, he represented the clients. I did the office work. And I learned about becoming a rep. Um, so I did that. And one thing kind of fell into a place to where I now am the uh, main principal of the organization. My dad has since um, retired. Um, as far as succession, um, you know, he, I'm very lucky in the sense that he just gave me the keys to the kingdom um, and uh, told me to make him proud. And so that's kind of what I've been doing ever since. And, uh, look forward to continuing to do it for many years to come. Awesome. Okay, so now that we have sort of the lay of the land and the background um, on each of your business, family businesses and where you stand today, I guess let's circle back um, for just a second and talk about, you know, you're all kind of in different places. Um, and some of you now sort of own it outright and some of you have sold out and are still the face of the organization. Some of you still have, you know, the first generation involved. Um, I guess for those, especially new practitioners that may be in a partnership with a business, I mean, with a family member or um, considering that or training somebody who's maybe your child or your in-law, let's talk about the pain points of being in family business, because as much as there are a lot of positives and um, things like flexibility and understanding uh, that, you know, you have children because they're somebody's grandchildren who, you know, is your parent, all that kind of stuff. What are some of the, let's say, top three, maybe pain points that you guys have experienced working in a family business? Anybody want to jump out there and go first? I will hop out there and say that uh, definitely technology was a big pain point. I wanted to jump on the bandwagon immediately, go case management software, um, scanning, get rid of paper files. So technology was a big, big sticking point for many, many years. Ultimately, I won with that, and I'm really glad that I pursued it. Um, because, uh, you know, our, our client's data is valuable and we need to be able to access it, um, from a million different locations. So, um, not utilizing a paper file was a big deal for us. Um, I couldn't, I could not agree more. I think that, 
especially when you get into these multi-generational situations, um, going paperless is just a concept that I think, you know, the generation before us is really struggling with. Um, and it feels weird, obviously, for many reasons, um, but also probably not very secure, right? So I think there's some push and pull there where technology is concerned. But we know, I mean, as is our directed uh, directive by Social Security, that technology is the way of the future. And as a rep, we have to get on board with that. So I think it's important that you know, we have these conversations and, and make plans for, set a budget for um, technology, right? And being uh, sort of flexible in the way that you approach the business um, where technology is concerned and case management and all of that. And it's not cheap, right? I mean, the solutions that are out there that are quality, I think, um, you know, they cost money. And so you have to, you have to be prepared to have those discussions and also be flexible enough to implement them. I will reveal a card in my hand. I, when I was taking cases, I, I was a part of a family business too. And so um, it was me and my sister, and I live in Houston, and she lives in Atlanta. And this was before the cloud was really a developed product um, in terms of cloud storage. And so, you know, we had to, like, VPN. So there was, like, a station, too, in her office, and I was remoting in every day. But the computer had to be on, right? So there were these barriers um, to making that work. I remember at one point she even said, I don't know if I realized the technology headache that I was signing up for. Um, you know, that was a tough conversation to have with your sister, right? Like you, it's her business. Obviously she's making the planning decisions about moving, moving forward and hiring and firing and all of that. And, and now as her sister, I felt like a little bit of a burden, you know? So um, it's important to iron those details out. I would just say though, with regards to working with family and, whether it's technology or anything else, you have to come at it from a place of compassion. They're not just your fellow coworker. You know, it's also your blood or maybe your in-law. So you have to see this person at the dinner table, at Thanksgiving, et cetera. So uh, it's not just we're doing it this way. It's, it's having a discussion, hearing them out to make sure that you can hear each other's pros and cons to be able to move forward together. I would say... Uh pain point for me particularly was, I mean, not so much technology. I think my dad was pretty much on board with anything that I put forward with that because he, I think he saw it as an advantage. You know, he wasn't resistant to it. So we were, we were pretty, pretty uh, easy on that part. But I think for, um, when my dad started this, you know, we're both non-attorneys. So he, he started and he never took the test, you know, so for, I mean, the test wasn't even around back then when he started. So, um, you know, to get paid, he, we would set up bank accounts um, at the local bank and have a checking, you know, we, we would get it, set up a check account and we would take a check and then we would have this blank check. And so once we found out they got the award, you know, it was the race to the bank who could get there first, also the client, you know, to get the money out of the account because they were just trying to get there to clear it, you know, and we were just trying to get our payment, you know, so it was, you know, it was just kind of the wild west almost the way you had to come up with things. And to, so it, it really didn't flourish as a business until I came on board, took the test, and we had a secure way of getting payments. So, but because of that, the way he started the business, it was, you know, it was kind of 
very creative in how he did things and to get things going. And, and, um, so, but when I came aboard, you know, I was more by the book and, you know, this is what you got to do. And so we kind of had some clashes on how things should necessarily proceed going forward. So, um, you know, I was learning from him on how to do it, but then I was also seeing how others do it. And then I was like, you know, so I knew it was working for him, but then I had to say, well, you know, you know, you take this test and you're supposed to do things this way and all that kind of stuff. So that for us was kind of coming from two different, um, worlds almost, you know, and how, how we should move forward with the business. So that was, and like Cliff says, you know, you, you, it's not like at five o'clock, everything's done. You, you know, you, you continue to have these conversations even after everyone else has gone home, you know? So it's like weekends and, you know, holidays, you're still, you know, having that conversation. So it, it definitely is a challenge to, 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 to weave that in with the family and, and keep business going. For me, I think it was balance of duties. Our office is about four hours north, and um, not only was I leading the office and running the business, but I also had a caseload, and at that time, we were doing 100 to 150 hearings a month, and so I had about 25 to 30 hearings a month, plus I was spending two to three days in the office. Um, so I leave on Sunday afternoon, and my kids were small, and, and I would leave on Sunday afternoon and leave my family and go up to the office um, for a, a couple days. Um, meanwhile, uh, you know, I was in meetings, but I still had to find time to prep for the hearings that I had for the rest of the week. So the balance of duties was really, really tough for me. And there really was no option at the time to move the office down closer to where I was uh, because we had um, kind of an arrangement with the IRRB or, or this organization up north that was responsible for uh, one of our building loans, which I can talk about in a, when we talk about succession planning. But um, their, their interest was keeping people in the iron range employed or up north employed. And so uh, we didn't have an option to move the office. So I was, I was torn, you know, what do I do? I have, I have to do both. And, and there really was no give. So yeah. that's hard. It's hard when you are, you know, wanting to carry the torch, but also feeling like, but I have small kids and they need me and I don't want to be gone four days a week, you know? So Let's cram as much as we can cram into two days a week, right? Um, and it makes it difficult, I think, to wear all the hats, you know? Yes. Okay, so we've talked about technology. We've talked about separation of duties. We've talked about um, conflicting ideology, which I think is probably all of these things are pertinent to, to any family business and any industry, but especially ours where we just see it a lot. We see a lot of um, family businesses um, in, in, in ADR. Many, many of the people who have served on our board have had family businesses. Um, and so it's just funny to, to think about how in one way uh, this industry has opened the door, right? I mean, Chris is a prime example for a business to totally flourish. Um, and then in other ways, there's these really sticky things that you have to figure out. Um, and especially when you're the IT guy and the HR manager and the CEO and the claims rep, um, it's hard, I think. Michael, do you have any pain points in your business? The only thing I could really add to that is just be very careful about how comfortable you are because it is a family business. It is so easy to want to project your feelings uh, of how things should go uh, with your boss without having to worry about repercussions. <laughs> so 
it's it's harder for them to fire you. <laughs> I'll just say that. So um, we've had our clashes, you know, with uh, with my father over the years. Uh, not too bad. We've gotten along fairly well for the most part. Uh, and with my cousin coming on about 16, 17 years ago, we have a few clashes here and there. Um, he's younger than me, but I have more problems with him on technology, trying to get away from using even courier font from him. Uh, and to know how to use a printer. It, it's it's kind of funny that uh, someone who's 78 is a lot more technologically proficient than someone who is 48. Valid point, especially when you talk about, you know, understanding that there's two relationship dynamics, right? There's your the familial re- relationship you have, and then there's also this professional relationship. Um, and, you know, not taking things personally, not projecting, not... Um, being liberal with how you speak to somebody, right? Just because they're family. Um, I think those are all lessons that uh, we can, we can learn. So let's go back to the succession discussion, because it seems like that, you know, hasn't happened on one end. um, And then two of you are sort of one of you is in the process of it. One of, one of you sold out and one of you is through it completely. So let's start with, let's start with Michael. So you guys, your dad's still working, your cousin's still very involved. Um, You're not an attorney and both of those gentlemen are. So how does that look as you think about the next five years? You know, have you guys talked about that? Well, as far as succession uh, in the actual business, you know, it's a corporation, it's a law firm. And I think in most states, and Cliff could probably attest to that in California, that a non-attorney cannot own a law firm. So early on, uh, before my cousin came on, uh, there was a little worry about, you know, what I would do when he retires or if something, you know, God forbid happened to him earlier on, you know, how would I stay in business? You know, there were a few partners that had finally sold out and he was the only attorney. Um, so, but since my cousin has come on, you know, and we've had a very good relationship, like, as close to brothers as you can be without being actual brothers. So the plan really is, is to continue on. He's going to be the owner of the business uh, with a, a good understanding. And again, you know, with, with all that, you never know how things will go in the future. But for now, plan is that we will go forward. I will still handle some social security uh, matters, still run the office. He will handle his veterans disability. And I will probably transition to a little bit of veterans disability as well. So, uh, that is the long and, and short of it. I was going to say that I think that it's um, great that you guys have already sort of talked about this. So you anticipate when your dad does fully retire and step away that it'll be smooth. You and your cousin sort of have this understanding and you've had some discussions and it'll be a relatively easy transition considering he's an attorney and you guys have worked together for so long. That's right. That's right. You know what I will say to that because we, I'm through that now, but I had the similar challenges with my father being an attorney. Obviously, I'm a non-attorney, and so we transitioned. Actually, he dissolved his law corporation. Uh, We made contact with all of our existing clients to make sure that uh, they were aware that they were transitioning from uh, an attorney law firm to a non-attorney, and I set up a corporation. So in that you know span of about a year and a half, we had to systematically advise everyone 
what the process was and made sure that websites and and uh, other printed media uh, reflected all of that. So that was a bit of a challenge, but I, I'm happy I'm through it. So, uh, but uh, I completely understand what Michael's uh, dealing with. Yeah, that's good information, Cliff. I think that it's important for people to know that if you're in that situation where you are a non-attorney, your parent, uncle, grandfather, whoever was an attorney, and you're looking to find a way, there is a way. And it takes a little legwork, it sounds like, but it can be done. And um, did you guys use an attorney or how did you do that? Was that something you guys did on your own since your dad was an attorney? It was just something that we did on our own. Um, I didn't have to buy anything. Um, there was no sale. It was just to essentially dissolve the business. Uh, at the same point, I created my corporation and it became you know, a law firm that got dissolved to a non-attorney representative. But the important thing was advising all of our clients who had retained the law firm of what was going on and make sure that they agreed to be represented by a non-attorney representative just uh, out of an abundance of full disclosure. Yeah, and speaking of abundance of full disclosure, we would like to go on the record of saying none of this is legal advice, folks. We're just having a discussion about the way that these folks, business, family businesses have been set up and um, the ways in which they've gone about planning for the future. So you did not get legal advice from an ADR. We are just having a discussion and hopefully some of this is helpful to you as you think about the future of your own practices. So let's go back to Chris. So Chris, your dad's still involved in some capacity, but not the day-to-day -day anymore. So to, to walk us through how you and him came to the agreement of him moving to a board role and you moving to the role of president? Um, well, it's for us because there's two other companies involved. So it just became um, uh, a timing issue, you know, for him, his age, just getting up there and, and, and my role, of, you know, just becoming, um, because a lot of the other businesses had relationships with hospitals because we do Medicaid work and, and the people that he started with, they were all kind of aging out as well. You know, people were retiring or, they, you know, just moving on to other hospitals. So it was like, I was making now the new connections, you know, with people of my age group. And so it was just like, it was just kind of like how it was happening industry wide for us, you know? So it was just making sense that I start taking a more prominent role in the leadership of, of the companies. Um, and, and so that's kind of how it started for us. It was just, it was just an, a, a realization now like, wow, you know, it's, I, I, we need to start thinking about this because, you know, eventually I need to be the one who goes out, you know, when they have uh, contracts to sign, you know, who's going to be signing them, me or him, you know? So it was just kind of those discussions that we kind of started having. And that's where we just kind of said, well, you know, it's, it makes sense. Now we should start this progression into me moving into the presidency and then him just taking a step back. I mean, he's still here. He's, you know, he's 78 years old and he's, he's here almost every day. Um, he takes more time off, you know, kind of like Michael's dad and everything, but it's, um, it just that's kind of how it rolled. It was it was a slow progression for us. It wasn't like um, we just said we're having this meeting and we're making this transition now. It was just more this gradual realization that 
I need to start stepping up and being in that, um, you know, presidency role, but as well as doing all those other roles that everyone's talked about, you know, the HR and the, you know, the IT and all that, you know, cause I, I do all those things now too, you know, maintenance, and whatever it may be, uh, you know, our phones went down the other day and everyone's looking at me like, what happened? I'm like, you know, I was um, calling, you know, the phone company about all that. So, I mean, it's just one more hat that just made sense at the time to, to, for me to, to do that. So then when your dad sort of officially retires, let's say in the next five years, he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm 80. I'm not going to be working anymore. What happens? Like he gets a check still or you buy him out or how, how what's going to happen? Do you know? It, it's well, we kind of, we just, we, the way we discussed it, we would just keep him on payroll as like a pension thing. So he would just totally step okay. out and then he, we were just going to have him, uh, I mean, we have a 401k plan, so he has that as income as well as his social security and all that thing. So, I mean, he's, he's certainly covered in that aspect, but we said, you know, just for his, you know, kind of like consultant person, you know, we would just keep him on payroll to just, um, you know, thank him for being In around. essence, <laughs> buy him out, right? Like in right. Essence, yeah. So you're, that, right. Yes. Yeah. Kind of like a slow buyout. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. All right. So Kelly, I feel like your situation was maybe the most sticky of everyone. Um, and, you know, if I ask a question that you're not comfortable answering, just say that. But, but I think it's important for people to kind of hear what you could potentially be facing, depending on how many players are in the mix, um, you know, and all of that stuff. So, so talk to us about, you know, your, you go to work and you find out your dad's past, which is tragic. And then what? Yeah. So, um, so when my dad passed away, he passed away January 28th of 2011. And that was kind of at the height of the market. Things were starting to change a little bit, but, um, but you didn't have to be a business person to do this job. Money was just coming in, you know? Um, and he had just built, a two and a half million dollar building in the city of Cook, Minnesota, which was a town of 600 people. Um, and so he had, and the, the building loans hadn't even been signed yet. And everything was built on a kind of a good old boy's handshake. And so they moved into the building on Monday and my dad had a widowmaker heart attack on Friday. And I had been working for the business for about, about three and a half, almost four years. And he had been grooming my brother-in-law um, now ex-brother-in-law to be the CEO. And he was kind of transitioning out of his, his work, um, but they had had a falling out. So um, the business was in hundred percent of the business was in a trust. And the way that it, that the trust was written, hundred percent of the business went to his wife, which is my stepmom. And she made the decision to, to have me since I was the oldest child and I was working for the company uh, run the business. Um, so there was no succession plan and it was very, very, very difficult. So what we, what, what I ended up doing was the bankers, you know, we had three different building loans um, and I, there was no business plan and the bankers, you know, were, were wanting a business plan because like I said before that, everything was kind of built on a good, good old boy handshake. Okay. You know, Tom, my dad, you promised to pay, pay uh, these, these loans. Yes. Well, so I wrote a business plan and I presented to the bankers and, you know, they, of course we signed the papers for the building, but that was, you know, just dead over our head. Um, and then uh, what ended up happening was 
a, an accountant somehow convinced Lee, my stepmom, because she had no business knowledge or didn't have any part of the company, to gift a third of the company to my brother who was working for me, myself, and her. So she was nice enough to gift a third of the company to each of us, but that didn't really mean anything unless we were going to sell the company. And so um, we eventually did sell the company in, in February of 2014. And they kind of did a buyout. And uh, part of that, as part of that, they were leasing our building. So the, the debt of the building was still hanging over our heads. And and um, and really, quite frankly, the way that things were changing, we couldn't afford that building anymore. And the only people that I could think of to sell that building was the county because they were the only big you know corporation kind of in the area. And uh, and a couple of years later, we ended up selling the building to the company or to the county and and um, without any without any overhead debt. So everything eventually did work out, but it was very 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 difficult with no succession plan. Yeah, it sounds like a really stressful several years. <laughs> to it me. Was. Yes, it was. And I mean, okay, and then, so and then there are some family members, you know, that were employed that um, that that made it a little bit difficult, but. We got through it, um, you know, we got through it and I continue to work for the new boss um, who does a good job and my brother is, is employed still with us too and and, um, and so it's working out. It's working out quite well, That's actually. Great. <laughs> That's great. Um, I think that the success story part of all of this is what's important for people to uh, really focus on that, you know, it, it can be painful, it can be stressful. Um, there's these, you know, the, the different um, relationships involved, um, but it, it can be done and um, it can create very successful, meaningful careers for for everybody, right? For anybody, multiple family members. Chris, do you guys have any other family members in your firm? Uh, we do. Um, well, my brother was working with us until he passed away, and then my sister, she currently still works for us as well. Okay. And Cliff, what about you? Do you have any family members that work for you? Uh, my sister's an attorney, and she briefly worked for us. I keep saying in my head me, but worked for us for about six months, and then she decided that it wasn't a good fit. And now she's a mom to three kids, and all is well. Okay. So no other family members with you? No, no other family. Um, interesting. I, I like this discussion because I think there's just so much that can we can dive into. Um, so let's take a minute then and chat about, you know, hindsight, right? What would you tell somebody who's getting ready to embark on opening a family business and social security disability um, practice? Something that you learned throughout your journey that you wish somebody would have told you before you, you know, proceeded down the path. Eva, I think I can uh, lead this one off by saying that it, it's not so much what I wish someone told me, but I think it's more just dumb luck and stumble. And that is that I kind of fell into my father's practice where he practiced other areas of law. And so I was employed there and we didn't have to worry on the delays of getting paid for social security disability hearings. So we were able to take on new cases, even though we were not necessarily getting paid right away. So um, I would recommend to anyone that's starting to do this to 
um, you know, explore other options, you know, keep an open mind of, of other avenues of income until this ball officially gets rolling because it does take some time initially. And I think that's really important and sometimes overlooked when, you know, individuals are looking at kind of the end of how things operate, but they don't look at the beginning <laughs> middle, which sometimes lasts a long, long time without potentially any income. So it's a big consideration not to be overlooked. I think that's great advice. And also another um, thing to consider, just like within any business, um, you can be diversified within Social Security Disability, too. So you can do Social Security Disability claims. You could do SSI claims. You could do kids' cases. You can also do ticket to work. You can venture out into VA. You know, there's things you can do that, you know, it may take time, right? Like getting approved for VA representation, I've heard, is quite a chore. Um, same thing for ticket to work. So, in the beginning, you know, make sure your eyes are open to all these other avenues of income. Um, and if there's things that you have to do in advance to um, to diversify, then start start those soon, you know, so that the, those balls are rolling at the same time, right? But also, to Cliff's point, you know, if you're a realtor looking to get into social security disability work, don't just close up your real estate practice, right? Like, let's sell a few houses too while you're doing this. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can piggyback off that too. Um, we have a contract. So our, our business started with, with, our, with the county. We had a contract with the county to get people off of general assistance or state assistance to get onto SSI or RSDI to disability. And so um, and they pay us so we can waive our fees to, to the client if the client is getting some cash assistance. So that's one partnership. But look for ways that you can increase your partnerships. We have a, a partnership with UCARE where they send us all of their, their clients um, who are disabled. We have a partnership with our local hospital, Hennepin County Medical Center. We have a, we have a partnership with Carl Osterhout, attorneys to do you know, our appeals counsel claims, uh, ticket to work. So Medicare, so just, you know, think of ways that, that you can better serve your clients. And not only that, but also diversify your income and, um, and referral base. My, my comment to, to your question, Eva, about, you know, what would you have liked to know before you got into all this? Um, I, I would say you have to know, one, your own personality and, and what you, you know, how you like to work and just your own way your own tolerance of things and then know your personalities of your siblings as well. Um, you know, cause when it's, when you're working, you know, not for a family and you have coworkers, you know, you, you deal with them in their personalities in a certain way, but when it's your family, you know, you grew up with them some kids, you know, I mean, you had fights with your brothers and sisters, you know what I mean? You don't do that with your coworkers. So, I mean, it's a different dynamic for sure. So you have to really know, your tolerance of what you can put up with in the working environment because, you know, it's like you can't get them fired, right? You know, I mean, my brother and I had disagreements and, and I would go to my father and, and he, he, he was more parent than he was, you know, um, boss at a time. So that was difficult for me to, to have to deal with that. But that was a separation my dad had, you know, an issue with. He really couldn't draw that line a lot. He would always kind of 
take the line of parent more than boss. So, you know, I, I realized that. And then I said, you know, these are things to, is it going to be something that I can put up with? You know, is it worth me, you know, continuing this fight or whatever? You know I mean? Sometimes you just have to know, all right, then say, pick your battles kind of thing. Sometimes you just need to know that, um, to, to make sure you don't, aren't angry with your family, you know, cause you want your family to still be your family when, even though you're working with them, you don't want to do this to, to, to make it, um, difficult to still be, um, brothers and sisters in the end. So I think that's important to, to, when you're going to embark in a family business. I agree. You certainly don't want the family beach trip to be derailed because of right. Friday afternoons work problems, you know? Um, Okay, so my next question that I'm going to ask, and I feel like on the call, Kelly has the oldest kids. So, Kelly, do you see either of your girls getting into this line of work? I don't. Yeah, I don't. don't? Okay. Yeah, they want to do their own thing. Uh, one wants to be a teacher, and uh, one has just graduating with a marketing and communications degree. And, you know, they had worked for us, they worked for me, you know, for a couple summers and made pretty good money, but it's not something that they want to do long-term. And, and it's interesting because I think part of the reason is that they don't want to, they think I work too hard <laughs> or that I used to work too hard. They saw me when, when, you know, in their impressionable years, they saw when I was leaving, you know, and traveling for hearings and stuff like that. And, I, and so not only was that hard work, but dealing with the clientele too, um, you know, it's sad sometimes and they, and they're just not, they're just not interested in it. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's funny how that works out sometimes where, you know, you just, you don't end up, you don't end up having the next generation. Right. But I think my family business is not in social security disability. My parents' business, they have a, um, a real estate title company. And so over the years, we've all worked for them, you know, I mean, all the siblings and we have a blended family. So there's, there's a bunch of us. Um, and, and it's funny, my dad's at this point of retirement and considering, you know, what to do and, you know, pretty much the one person that lives in the same city where they're located, um, who still does title work for them is like not interested at all in a management or ownership capacity. Um, you know, and I think that that's kind of maybe a sad thing for him a little bit, you know, like, gosh, who do I pass this to? Or how do I work this out? So I can retire. He's so ready to retire. He's just, you know, he wants to be at the lake. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to be on the phone with attorneys and he doesn't want to be negotiating things anymore. He's just ready. And, um, and so it's kind of put him in a little weird spot, um, I think emotionally, right. About what's next. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see, there are some of us, I think that are very capable of taking over their business, but we don't live in the Atlanta area and we have businesses of our own and it makes it really hard, you know? So it'll be, I'll be curious to see how that pans out for, for my parents. You know, what, do they just sell out? You know, do they, if they do, do they try and negotiate for my brother to have a role in the new business? You know, I don't know. I don't know how it's all going to pan out. All right. Anything else that you guys would throw in as a tip or trick or um, piece of advice? Shay, what do you have to say? You've been quiet. I have been listening to all of this wisdom. <laughs> I, um, I'm kind of the long dog here. I'm the, I'm the uh, sole proprietor of my own business. 
uh, but my wife helps me some. And I was going to do a rapid fire here with you guys to see if this makes sense. I think it was one of the Skinner brothers uh, that told me, if you are going to have a family business, don't despise staying small. It was the, it was the advice. Uh, they said you could get too big too fast. Does that seem like that's uh, something that you guys have to kind of juggle? You know, do we want to be more successful? Do we want to branch out? But, you know... Know what we own, uh, Michael. You got you're leaning up on me there. It looks like in the screen, you got some wisdom in that area. Well, we've always discussed uh, like what ways we can grow the business and uh, make it you know more successful. And you know, I think that the formula that we've had over the past you know 28 years that I've been there, and he's been in business for 53 years now, has worked pretty well. And we do like the model of being a small family business you know there's the three of us and we have a secretary and a clerk and we have one contractor that works outside of the office and we feel that we can give more personal service to our clients and we can answer the phones ourselves we can attend to their needs ourselves you know we don't have to pass it off to somebody and the clients really appreciate that and you know, there's always room to add more clients, but we don't want to get so big that we lose our identity as the firm that we have become and the brand that we have become, you know, in, in the local area. So we're, we're pretty satisfied with that. I think that it boils down to two different philosophies in this industry. There are the folks who work on volume, right? So they say, well, shoot, out of 100 cases, you're going to win 60%, right? Um, so do the math. You know, if you take 1,000, you're winning 600, whatever it is, right? Um, and that's one model for sure. Um, and with that model, you're going to have to have office space and you're going to have to have case managers and you're going to have to, you know, you got to scale if, you, if that's your philosophy. You've got to be willing to scale um, because you're essentially saying, We'll take your case, you know, with very little intake uh, criteria, okay? And then there's the model or the philosophy of we take cases we think we can win. And, and because of that, you, you may not be a client of ours in the end of the first intake call, right? And typically, you can stay pretty small, I think, um, if you are of that mindset that, you know what, I'm, I'm only taking cases I can win. I'm the rep of record. I'm going before the judge or judges, and I want them to know that if they're hearing a case of mine, it's legitimate, you know? Um, and, and if you have that philosophy, then through four people, you can have a great caseload, right? And, um, and still maintain kind of a small nuclear, you know, office staff. Um, and I'm sure somewhere in between that is, is, a, is a third philosophy, right? Which is like, you know, hey, we're willing to give your case a shot, but, you know, here are deal breakers, right? <laughs> Drugs, whatever, we're, we're out. Um, so anyways, I think you see that, you kind of see that when you get to know people in an ADR and you get to understand their business model and structure and all that, you can kind of see, okay, they lean towards volume and they lean towards, you know, I'm only taking your case if I think I can win it. Anybody disagree with that? 
I no. completely agree. I think that's the beauty okay. about what, what we do is that in this business, you have the flexibility to do what you want. You can scale or you can, you know, have a boutique firm. The choice is really yours. Um, <clears throat> you know, for myself, it's uh, I wrestle with the same thing, same discussion that Michael brought up over and over. What do I want to do? It's, but in the end, for me, I like knowing every single client. I like being having a specific touch point with everyone. So at the end of the day, the buck stops with me. Shay, what are your other rapid fires? I wanted to get Cliff's uh, take on this. In my business, I got to a point where uh, I would shift certain clients to my wife. Uh, <laughs> <it's>, okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, wow. You, the secrets are coming out. Well, you know, we're, uh, we're almost an hour into this. So if we still got everybody's attention, now's where the good stuff's got to happen. Uh, so we can so charge, gonna, charge extra from this point forward. <laughs> Well, I was, I was going to get your partake in this because you're always really good with the way you word things. And um, do you think that's in a family business, you get away with that a lot more? Is, is that kind of a common practice or am I like the only one that does that? So the reason I say that is uh, there's some clients that I will say to my wife, I'll say, okay, you'll have to go meet them to pick up records or you'll have to go meet them to do this or call them or talk to them on the phone. And I usually don't get involved right before the hearing. So, <laughs> Well, here's how I would, I would answer this. Um, I think you know your strengths and you know your weaknesses. And I can just apply kind of what I do in my office to hopefully this scenario. There are certain clients that I absolutely cannot speak to. And, and I know that in advance. And I know that I will lose my cool, what have you. Um, and so I delegate. And it's not because I can't do it, but I know that someone is more well-equipped to do it for the greater good of the organization. So if, if that's your MO, then I think you are properly being an effective leader and a manager of your organization. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> if you're delegating just because of delegation's sake, then that's a different story. And you're exactly the reason why I wanted you to answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, you know, it just... You know, with my organization, I have no problem telling my staff or whomever to do something because I have no problem doing it myself. And I think in order to be an effective leader, you need to be willing to perform that intake call or call a hearing office or reach out to a DDS, even though you're delegating it, because if you're telling someone to do it, you yourself should be able to not only do it, but do it effectively. That's amazing. Chris, I got, I got one for you also uh, with a rapid fire. Do you feel like having been a family business and your dad been in this business for as long as he did, that it's easier to retain clients generationally, you know, with, um, you know, your dad represented my uncle or your dad represented my grandfather and, uh, and you, they did such a good job. I want you to represent uh, me and my Situate. Do you seem like that family businesses have an advantage there that some like big, large firms may not? I, I do. I mean, I think we definitely get a lot of that referral, you know, within the family kind of thing. Um, you know, my cousin kind of stuff. We, I mean, we get that all the time for sure. So I, I do think that gives us a little bit of an edge by being in, in the industry for so long. 
Um, absolutely. Um, but also I want to touch just what you guys were talking about, you and Cliff earlier, you know, with that delegation thing within the families, especially you have siblings and you're that, you, everyone's got to know their role. You know what I mean? What, what is your spot in, in the company? Because if you, don't have that well-defined and then you try to, you know, like you, you know, you're pushing something to your wife because you don't want to do it. You know, if, if I'm trying to push something up, I, I don't feel like doing this because yeah, you know, give it to my brother, but it's not his role. You know what I mean? If it's my role, then that's my duty, you know, so I should be the one doing it. Um, so, you know, it's different if it's, you, you need help and you, you, you need others to pitch in, but, but if it's just, you know, you want to slide something over because you don't feel like dealing with it, that's something that can get, you know, on each other's nerves. So I think if you really know whose role is what in the company, that will help you guys interact better and, and cause less tension, I think. Yeah, it's the the saying, stay in your lane, right? Right. So mm-hmm. you can be in your lane and, and you can also say, hey, can I delegate this to you today because X, Y, Z, right? Um, no, I think that's good. That's a good piece of advice um, as well. Michael, did you have something you were going to contribute? Okay. Uh, not really. I think everybody else you have a rapid- said a lot of my own uh, uh, own thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Shay, you got any more for us? Um, I just wanted to kind of complete my part with this, guys. Uh, I think having listened to the way you guys run your businesses and and how much heart that you've put into these interviews today speaks very well for for our organization uh, as a whole because all of you guys uh, playing a part in leadership of Nader speaks volumes that you're bringing that family business aspect to what we do. And uh, for especially people like me, that's only been in this for about seven years, eight years. uh, It means a lot to be able to sit back and listen to your wisdom and, and to how you articulate, you know, the best practices and not just that, but to see how you effectively make decisions for Nader and, you know, uh, with the committees and, and the people that, um, that we delegate de- rightfully delegate certain things to <laughs> we're only you know we're only we're only as strong as our weakest member and so you guys set a great example for what this organization really stands for and that's to be a you know even though we're not family by blood i believe we're family by practice and uh you guys set a great example for that and i just wanted to say thank you from somebody that's um that's coming up in the ranks. And, uh, from what I see, uh, you guys deserve a standing ovation every time you walk into a room, I believe. And, um, and I just wanted to give a shout out, Chris, this is Chris's brainchild right here. This, this whole podcast idea was something Chris came up with. And, uh, I can't wait for everybody to hear the shows that we're doing and, uh, for the ones that we've already had, uh, uh, that, that people's already listened to. They're only going, they're only getting better every time we do them. So and I want to thank Eva for, Stepping up, she she uh, she became our spokesperson at our last conference in Baltimore by having to do virtual uh, MCing. So everybody's like, she needs her own TV show. So what better person to host this podcast than than Eva? So uh, we're we're hitting on all cylinders right now, I believe, as an organization. So thank you guys. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Shay. Thank you, Shay. Thanks, Shay. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you, Shay, for doing this for us. I mean, we couldn't be doing it without you and your technology that you have. So uh, we appreciate you, too. Well, my, my job's easy. I just get to hit a button. So. <laughs> you get a little bit more than that, Shay. I was going to say, there's some extra work in there, Shay, for you. But we do appreciate you. And uh, thanks, guys, for being on with us today. I think this is great. 
Um, everybody can learn something from our discussion. So we appreciate you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. On behalf of the National Association of Disability Representatives, we invite you to join us on the 15th of each month for special interviews with founding members and those who are leading the way today. Please join us in the discussion on social media and the ever-popular talk list located at our website, nadr.org. For Eva Sermon, I'm Jay Shagas asking you to join us next month for Nader, Let's Get Into It. <laughs>